Good morning. How you guys doing? Well, we're continuing in, um, in this amazing series called The Faithfulness of God. How many of you guys really enjoyed this series over the last few weeks? Somebody? Well, um, the reason why this is such an exciting series to go, to, to go through is because you never get to the end of it. God's faithfulness is, is so great that you couldn't even experience the fullness of it in your lifetime. His faithfulness is so great that sometimes we often forget because it's all around us. Last week, in second, uh, uh, we read from 2 Timothy, where Paul says to Timothy, if we are faithless, he is still faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. That's a, a tremendous blessing, but that's also a, a very tough pill to swallow. Because what that means is, even if... We don't acknowledge him. He's still faithful. But we don't want to celebrate that we don't acknowledge him. We want to get to the point where we constantly are reminded and we recount the blessings of God and his faithfulness in our lives. So today, in this third uh, portion of the series, the final message, the question is this, how can we become more aware of his faithfulness? And if we are faithful or faith-filled, then maybe we'll be able to see his faithfulness. See, the, most of the time, the problem is, and this is something that us young folks like to say, this is a pretty cool phrase, the real recognizes real. Anybody ever told you that before? Real recognizes real. If not, you haven't seen enough gangster movies or heard enough young kids. But real recognizes real. What does that mean? That means that while the, the band is playing, the worship team is playing, someone in the crowd who knows music, you know, like, I know music, they can tell, they can feel, oh, he just did that note, he just hit that riff, she just sang that run, and they can connect on that level. For all of us non-musical people, we just hear great sound and great worship. We can't tell if a note is missed. How about this? In football... I played a little bit of football growing up, and I went to help out in my high school. We were playing T.C. Williams. We are the Titans. <laughs> played them last, last, uh, yesterday, and they let us know that they are the Titans. We got whooped. <laughs> but my coach came, one of the coaches there came to me, and he said, hey, Jared, you know, what do you see here? You know, because this is the play that we ran. And the problem was I couldn't really communicate with him because I don't remember the playbook from the 10 10 years ago when I was in high school. So I said, coach, I don't really know. I don't see, I don't know what what I see out there. I just see it's not good. (laughs) But the Lord spoke to me last night as I was, he handed me a playbook last night and I went to try to read it and it was like reading another language. It was just really difficult. But the Lord spoke to me and said, see, this is what life is. See, my faithfulness is all around you, but if you don't get in my playbook, you have no idea what's going on. So you may be at the game. You're actually in the game, on the sidelines. No idea what's going on because we don't read our Bibles enough. See, if you're looking to find God's faithfulness, you need to find the book that is the word of God that is living and breathing, and it translates to you and I 
a great picture of what his faithfulness is. We say, God, where are you? Where's your faithfulness? God's like, how about you read a little bit? I've got a lot of knowledge for you. 66 books of it. Just open it. We can start there. So today we're going to go into Exodus 19, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to follow a man who, who was surrounded by God's faithfulness. This man, his name is Moses. And his whole life is the definition of God's faithfulness. Before we read the, the scripture, let's just kind of refresh our memories. Because this is kind of like, you know, Exodus is kind of the book that you don't read because you already know it. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I know the story of Moses. I know that he was put into the basket because the king was trying to do away with the Israelites because they were growing in number and he didn't want to be overpowered by these people. I also know that the Pharaoh's daughter is who found him off of the Nile River. It was even pretty cool, you know, seeing more of God's faithfulness that the, the daughter of Pharaoh pulls in his own mother to nurse him. I remember that. I watched, what was the movie? Uh, Prince of Egypt. That's what I'm saying. We watch the Prince of Egypt. We don't read the Bible. See, with it, Hollywood messes us up. Don't watch Noah. That'll take you far left. <laughs> we know the story where Moses begins to grow up and, and he, sees, he sees a Hebrew man being beat by an Egyptian. He murders the man. And then becomes public enemy number one to both sides. He thinks, surely I just helped the Hebrews out. These, you know, this is going to be a moment for them to understand that I'm there for them. Then he shortly after finds two Hebrews fighting. And they look at him and say, what are you going to do, kill us as well? He's on an island trying to find his identity. And we see all throughout the scripture, it's easy to see it from our point of view. But God is with them every step of the way. Every single step of the way. And that gives us great, great encouragement and great faith today that though you may not see it, God is walking with you. He's there for you. He's being faithful even when you are faithless. So here we are in Exodus chapter 19, 1 through 4. Let's read it together. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love. Lord, even in a moment when we hear the word faithfulness, you give us just a small glimpse of what all you've done in our lives. Lord, help us to stay right here and to live in acknowledgement of your faithfulness and your grace towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. So three points today that we're going to talk about in understanding the final piece of this series of God's faithfulness. First is that he beat our captors. He beat our oppressors. How many of you guys are happy about that? 
not that happy. How many of you guys are excited that the enemy is defeated? Man, I mean, we don't have to die. Yay. (laughs) He bore us. That means he lifted us up. And lastly, he brought us to himself. See, God didn't just beat our captor and lift us up and leave us. He lifted us up and brought us close. Not only were we brought into his covenant, his promises, but we were also brought into his presence. And in his presence, we find deliverance, freedom, power, hope, faith, love, joy. We find some of these, these things in his presence as believers. And this is something to be excited about. I hope that we get excited before we get out today. But I promise you that I'm excited. <laughs> real recognizes real, right? Let me just be real with you. So he beat our captor. He destroyed the power. He destroyed the power that was oppressing Moses' people. I mean, think about this. Now, let's, let's put ourselves in Moses' shoes before walking up to this mountain. Now, they're only three months out of the process of leaving Egypt. Only three months, so it's extremely fresh. And Moses is 80 years old. See, a lot of times we think Moses is this young guy. He's like, all right, guys, here we go. I got this plan. I'm going to throw down my staff. It's going to turn into a snake. It's going to be crazy. Like, no, Moses was kind of like, hey, hey, y'all. I got a word from the Lord, and I'm going to throw this staff down. He probably didn't throw it as strong as one of us young men would do. It's kind of like a, let me see what's going to happen. So let's just put ourselves in the mindset of Moses. He's 80 years old, and his whole life has been full of disappointment. Barely knew his mother growing up. Barely knew what side of the people that he could really, he could really, um, you know, communicate with, have a good relationship with. And here he is with a speech impediment, leading a group of people that don't like him. This is not just some beautiful, amazing Disney story. This is not good. This is your grandfather trying to raise some folks that want to kill him. So in Exodus 15... One through six, I'll give you just a second. We're going to kind of flip around through Exodus today. One through six, this is immediately after the Egyptians are swallowed up in the Red Sea. And this is what happened. There's a song of, of Moses in Israel that's sung in this moment. He says, then, it says, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I mean, just imagine. Remember, they don't like him. He's standing in front of this huge mass of water. And they're back behind him saying, okay, now what are we going to do here? 
Now look what he did. Now he got us in the middle. Of, what are we going to do? Jump in the water? Are we going to swim? You think we, we can't, some of us can't even swim. And, and Moses is saying, God, I, I need you right now. I need you right now because they're mad. They're trying to kill us. And there's a lot of water right here. Anybody be, ever been in a tough spot? <laughs> God shows up. The sea parts. They walk through it peacefully, and the Egyptians get swallowed up. Do you know what that would be like? I mean, just imagine everything that's ever come against you in your life. Let's not even make it a person or a group, but all of the depression, the the card that you were dealt by your mother and father, the bullying in school, the bills being due and the bank account being low. And out of nowhere, it all washes away. You would start to sing, I think. And the song would sound a little bit like that. So in this moment, you're seeing 10 plagues later, 100 arguments later, God moving in a mighty way. And Moses seeing the faithfulness of God once again. You start to recount all the blessings in your life. You know, because we live in this Northern Virginia area, we move so fast. Do you ever really get the moment, uh, take a moment to get to take a moment to say, man, God, you were amazing last week for me. I mean, you showed up in a mighty way. You know, it's like we get the house and then we complain about the house. <laughs> we get the car, we post it on Facebook, we tell everybody we bought it and then we hate it. Now we're trying to trade it in. Now you're mad that the trade-in is not, not enough. Now you're upside down, so now you're mad at God. God probably told you don't buy that car. But we get mad all the time. But we never stop, sit back, and say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything in this moment but just recount the blessings and the faithfulness of God. And we have a lot to be thankful for. God has been faithful to us in moments that we did not know of. God has been shielding us from darts that we have no clue were even shot at us. God has been doing things for us on our behalf in the higher heavenly places. The enemy has tried to attack us while we've been asleep and we've been able to just stay asleep and wake up and go on about our business like there wasn't just a war going on in our bedroom. Some of us have no clue of it. Oftentimes I don't. But God is faithful every time. Romans 6, 6, Paul says that we were slaves, but then we were crucified with Christ. And this is the beauty of the gospel. So we have the gospel today. Moses didn't have the gospel in that moment, but they were able to see the imagery of what the gospel is going to be. We're going to talk about the Passover in a second. But this is what the gospel is. We have been able to be crucified with Christ Dying to the old self and now lifted up with him. And the reason why that's so exciting is because God came into the game. See, I was on the sideline yesterday at that game, but I couldn't do anything about it. All I could do was help tell them what to do, which I really didn't know what to do because they're not good. (laughs) Probably shouldn't have said that. Well, I didn't tell you what school I was. Okay. <laughs> real recognizes real. I guess I'm going to just keep saying that. 
And I, I couldn't see him, if you know what I mean. So, so I couldn't do anything in that moment. But, but this is what God did. Because we see all through Exodus, you see God hears the cry of his people. The Hebrews cried and God says, I hear your cry. I'm coming down to do something. And God brought himself into the game. And ten times he did all sorts of miracles and wonders. He became the star player. You know, I can find the gospel in anything. I hope you can too. You know, there was once a, I like sports, so we're going to talk a little bit about sports. There once was a guy who's really good at basketball. So much so that he's a Hall of Famer. Well, at the end of his career, he loves basketball so much he wanted to keep on dabbling in the sport. So he ends up owning a team. And this team is a local team. And he owns a team and they're just struggling. I mean, they're just not doing well. And he did what no owner could do. He put the jersey on himself and he became a Washington Wizard. Now, the Wizards didn't go to the playoffs. It wasn't good after, you know, a couple games. So understand this example, okay? Don't try to say, well, they didn't win. Can we just, you know, go with the story? You had an owner who's in the box that can't do anything about the game. But he loved his players so much that he said, you know what? I need to put my jersey on and go down there and show these boys what to do. And they were able to do really good things that season, though they didn't go to the playoffs. But what I'm saying to you is our God loved us so much that he became us. He became man. And he did what we couldn't do. See, he lived a life that we couldn't live. At least I couldn't live. How many of y'all can live a perfect life? Uh, uh, well, yeah. He died the death that I deserved to die. Because sin, the wages of sin is death. But then he rose from the grave, and I sure couldn't do that either. And he proved that he was the son of the living God. And he offered salvation for all of us who will repent and believe. He came into the game for us. He came into the game for us. Somebody please clap that he came into the game for us. Man. You're going to love Jesus by the time this is over, I promise. <laughs> Second Timothy <laughs> chapter 2, 26, Paul says that an unashamed worker, he's talking about what it, he's telling Timothy what it looks like to be a true unashamed worker for Christ. He goes on to say to, to flee yourself from being a part of quarrels and foolish talk, things that don't help you. But then he goes on and says, you need to be able to correct others the right way with grace and love. Why? So that they could repent, be led to the knowledge of the truth and come to their senses. See, God beat our captor and now we have the ability to come to our senses and see what he's done. See, before I gave my life to Christ, I played church. It was one of my favorite games because you can trick everybody. And you don't even have to wear a mask. And it wasn't until, oh, no one ever played church before. <laughs> and it wasn't until God had to grip me up by the gospel. I had to hear it from a man that I didn't know. And he wasn't from my church. And he checked me out. And like I said, real recognized real. And he couldn't see me. And, and he said, man, are you really a believer? And that struck me. I said, yeah, I'm a believer. I've been going to church for so long. I can't even remember when I started. And matter of fact, my dad's an elder. Been saved. 
He said, I don't see any fruit, though. I said, man, see, this is old school. This is how guys used to come up on you when, when you weren't living right. Nowadays, it's how do you feel? I don't see the fruit, but it's okay. It wasn't okay back then. It's still not okay now. We need to bear fruit. We need to bear fruit. So in that moment, the gospel penetrated my heart, and I saw what I wasn't. And then I found who I needed. And then I saw in that moment in giving my life to Christ, the reason why I truly made that step to say, God, I need you. I want to I be saved. I want to find salvation in you. The reason why the, the easiest part of that step or, the, or what happened to make that step easier was I was able to see his faithfulness through my life. And I was able to be reminded by this gentleman that was talking to me about what I had come from, what I had come out of. He asked me, what, what do you think about the circumstances of your life? Tell me about some of the issues that you've had. Tell me about some of the things you made it out of and you didn't know how you made it out of, out of, out of that situation. And I had to start to think, man, God's been there the whole time. Even when I didn't acknowledge him. I was faithless, but he was still faithful. He beat our captor. He delivered us as well. So not only did he destroy and beat our captor, but he delivered us. You know, sometimes um, you, can, you can win a fight, but the fight ain't over. Anybody grow up with, with, with that crazy friend? You didn't beat him too? No, nah, I'm not, you know, saying violence is the answer. Always. Sometimes. It's always that <laughs> It's always that one guy or girl in school that just doesn't understand that they just lost. So they just keep on going. Principals grabbing them, everybody grabbing them. Stop, stop. Your face is starting to look bad. Stop. I don't care. They're throwing all sorts of haymakers. I might have been that kid. I don't know. I don't like losing. It's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to be delivered from. Or to be, it's one thing to win, it's another thing to be delivered from. The enemy has been beaten long before you and I existed. But we've been delivered from everything that he's tried to throw at us. So we need to claim that victory on a day-to-day basis because we know we serve a faithful God. So when those thoughts of your past life or those sins of your past life try to creep up on you, Sometimes in the image of a cute person or a very nice looking bottle. When those things try to creep up on you, remember, not only did you defeat those things by the blood of Jesus, but you've been delivered from those things by the blood of Jesus. (laughs) Moses and his people were delivered by by their captor. And the enemy really, really wanted to see all of them die. But in the Passover, we see in in Exodus 12, 12, we see that God was going to come through and sweep the land of all the firstborns. But the, the blood of the lamb was put on the doors so that his people would be covered. See, he delivered them from more than just these bad people. He delivered them from the power of the enemy that was trying to take everything away from them. Now, in response, God 
took away the firstborn of, 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 the, uh, of the Egyptians. But what do we see here? We see God's faithfulness for his people who were oppressed. Second point is that he bore us. He lifted us up. How many of you guys every day need to be lifted up? This isn't just one thing where it just happens one time and it's over. God doesn't just call us his own and then make us feel good on that one moment when they played that right song. And you, you, nobody was around you and them tears started coming down. And he's, oh my goodness. You made that, that, that praise face. You better have an ugly praise face. Your praise face is too cute. You need an ugly praise face. Let them know what you've been through. <laughs> but he lifted us up. Says that he lifted us up like wings of eagles. This really is, uh, is incredible when you think about the imagery that God uses in Scripture. He bore us on eagles' wings. Let me tell you why that's significant. First is this. When eagles uh, are first born, first hatched, they fly under their mother. They fly on their mother. So the mother eagle flies under them with their wings spread out just in case they need to catch them. Did you guys know that? I didn't. It's pretty cool. So that means you're flying high. And if anything was to go wrong, you drop a little bit, but the mother catches you. See, the mother doesn't just send them out to fly, kind of like the ducks. You guys ever seen ducks? You know, they kind of just, their mom just throw them, hey, go ahead, swim, figure it out. I don't like you no more. <laughs> eagles, eagles, the mother flies under them and secures them. I love that because that means that God elevates us over the earth. And when he elevates us, he's right there with us at the same time. What does it mean to be elevated? What about Philippians 4, 8? How about our minds? Where should our minds be now that we know the promise of God? You can turn there. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Did you guys know that those things aren't common on the earth? You can't dwell on those things if your mind is on the earth. Those are heavenly things. Those are things that come from Almighty God. And when we place our mindset, our minds, uh, and we place our mindset where we are, where our inheritance is, then we're able to see on a higher level we are raised above the earth. And that's not for any arrogance or feeling self-righteous, but that's to know that this ain't it, this right here. This earth is not it for us. Our minds and our souls are up on a higher level because we know what we have in here. The promise of God. Our salvation. I love that Paul says that we are to walk with a helmet of salvation. How important is it for you to have a helmet in battle? 
But it surrounds you. It surrounds your mind. It surrounds your thought, thoughts. Everything that you do in life should, go funnel, should funnel through your salvation. All of your responses should funnel through your salvation. All of your relationships should funnel through your salvation. Please receive that. Don't fight it. You're fighting it. Take it. <laughs> when eagles learn to fly, their mothers fly under them. That's the first point. He elevates us, but supports us. Second point is this. How eagles fly. Let's talk about Proverbs thirty nineteen. Have you ever seen an eagle just glide? Sometimes you wonder, why isn't he flapping his wings? He's just gliding like that. But he's still flying. I love that imagery. Let me, let's, let's go into Proverbs 30, 19. Let's understand what, what that's all about. Verse 19, it says, The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of a sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Hold up, Steve Jobs. I've had. Okay, sorry, I lost it. The way of an eagle in the sky. So we soar like eagles. This is really cool. Now, you know eagles can weigh up to 14 pounds. I mean, eagles are big. Most of them are. And the coolest thing about eagles is when they fly, they glide for the most part. They don't do much flapping. All the other eagles are trying to keep up. And they're flapping so hard. Eagles glide. This is why. There's these things called these thermals. We're getting into science here. Praise God for Pastor Brett. <laughs> um, so these things are called thermals. They're in the earth, the lower part of the atmosphere. It actually brings out from the sun onto the ground. It heats up the ground and they create these pockets of rising air through the heat. So my question to you is, when the heat rises, do you fly or do you fall? What I mean by that is it takes heat to allow the eagle to soar. That sounds backwards to other birds or to us as people. Because for most of my life and for most of my friends around that, that I've grown up with, when heat comes, we fall. When it gets intense, we fall. You know, they got these bottles out that my mom has a lot of. They're called swell bottles. Really cool looking bottles. And they can keep your drink hot for 12 hours. And it's funny how I was uh, talking to a couple of the, the, the men in the back today about drinking some water from, you know, different, different waters are different. You know, Deer Park, Kirkland, there's a bunch of different waters. Kirkland is Costco. Um, <laughs> Well, the water bottle, when it heats up, it's bad for the water. This is stuff called BPA. It's all these toxic chemicals, right? And it's dangerous. So isn't it amazing that with the, the bottle, the plastic bottle, when it heats up, it becomes, it becomes useless. When it heats up, it shrivels up. When it heats up, it omits bad things. But this swell bottle, when it heats up, it actually starts to do its job. It starts to work. So it takes the heat and becomes better. 
Okay, that was my best shot. I thought that one was going to be it. I mean, swell bottle, bad bottle, plastic bottle, not plastic, heats up, good things, heats up, bad things. Man, there was no game last night, was it? Um, at least not a good one. So uh, you figure the Redskins play on a Monday night, so church is going to be, like, exciting. Do we even care at this point? When difficult circumstances in our life happen and the heat rises, what do we do? Do we soar because we know that God is with us and God's faithfulness is everlasting? Or do we fall because we forget where he got us to? So stable wings. That's what God's calling us to have today. Stable wings. The reason why stable wings are important is because when you start to flap, you start to focus more on flapping than flying. And the more you flap, you're thinking about your wings. You ever seen people jog down the street and you might be that person, so I'm sorry. But when they're jogging and they're just, ah, they're just giving it all. It's like they're putting more focus on their arms and their legs than actually going from point A to point B. Look, if that's you, that's okay. There's no wrong way, well, there might be, but to work out. But when we focus on the things that are happening around us, we forget who we are. You know, Moses oftentimes questioned God when the people started to question him. All through Exodus, in the beginning chapters, you see God gives Moses a word Moses goes to the people, goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh declines. He goes back to the people. The people get mad. He comes back to God. He says, God, what's going on? Seems like the more that he got with the people, the more he forgot about the promise. Because didn't God tell him that he was going to deliver them? But he kept forgetting about that promise because of all the people in his life and all of the opposition in his life. We have to hold tight to this word, this salvation. That has been bought by Christ's blood. So when your boss treats you a certain way. When your spouse doesn't do the things that you would like them to do. The meal that you just deserve. Watch me preach it myself. The socks that they just have to be together all the time. And there's no room for any any mess ups. Women, I don't even have anything for you because I'm just on myself right now. But when all those things are going in a way that you don't necessarily like, do you forget about the faithfulness? Do you forget that God got you that job, that God got you that spouse? We start to forget all that other stuff. Right now, it's about now. It's about the principal woman. You know, that's how we we think, right? She like principal? Man, I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Before me, you weren't, you know. I upgraded you. What do you mean? You were. And then. (laughs) Don't allow the flapping to get in the way of your flying. Hebrews 13.8. Says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So why are we forgetting that? Why do we live in such a way. 
that he just changed today and his faithfulness is not there. We ought to live with the understanding that his faithfulness was before us, before we existed. It'll be here on this earth after us. It'll surround us when we're with him. All throughout our life, we've been, we've been coddled by his faithfulness. Don't forget about how faithful he's been to you. And sometimes, actually most of the time, you are in the way of his faithfulness. In the way of understanding and seeing his faithfulness. You know, I had a vision when I was preparing for this message. Because this is a tough message to preach. You're preaching on faithfulness, but you know you haven't been that faithful. Right? They sent me the notes. I'm like, oh, man. Why can't I preach on, like, progress? <laughs> it's a tough, tough sermon to preach because you have to now be more aware of his faithfulness. And I saw an image of me in a church worshiping the Lord. And there was this person that was in front of me. And I'm like, can you please get out the way? I can't see the service. Look, I'm doing my hands like this because it's big. It's a big service and I can't see. And I tapped the guy on the shoulder and I said, can you please, every time I sway right, you sway right. Then I sway left, you sway left. I put my hands up. You put your hand, you know, when they're here and they're here and the hand is in front of my face. I said, I can't see. I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, please, I can't see the service. Turn around and it was me. Oh, my Lord. I'm in the way of my own, my own understanding of God's faithfulness. I'm in the way. We like to blame everybody else. You know, the Lord has been good to me, but you know, my coworker just keep messing me up. They keep bringing me back to the old me, right? I wasn't always saved. You know, they, they start to getting into that. You know, you get around some Christian folk and they get to, they start having fun about their past life. Like, man, you know, yeah, he stepped on my toe. And then I was like, hey, you know, you know, I wasn't always saved. You know, I've only been on the usher board for three years now. Okay. <laughs> That's not even five yet. So, you know, five is like total deliverance. So I'm still working on it. You could get caught up in the mix of that. We love to do that, don't we? <laughs> oh, man. We get to talk, talking about college. You know, I'm a campus minister. Let me just keep on going on this tangent because it's fun. I'm a campus minister. I serve here with uh, Pastor Sean Clemens. And um, we're a little bit older than the, kid, than the students. I'm not that much older. But my brother's a little bit older than me. That's all good. That's what you call, you know, they say, uh, you know, greater levels, greater devils. I don't believe in that. But we got a level for every devil. You see that? We got a 40-year-old level. We got a 30-year-old level. We got a 20-year-old level. See, we got a level for every devil. See, the Lord's moving in us. That's a way to clean up that, man. You ain't, you ain't old. So every now and then, we'll be at campus. We'll be at George Mason. And we'll see. We'll try to do something that worked in our time. You know? Like, oh, yeah. We're going to throw a party tonight. It's going to be crazy. Everybody's going to show up. The kid's like, oh, I don't party. Like, I like to sit around and play Pokemon Go. Like, you don't like to party? And then we like, man, I remember when we were in the party. Oh, hold on, hold on. What type of party were you talking about? 
Well, you know, now it's a Holy Ghost party, but it used to be. So a lot of times you just, you forget, right? But we like that. Why do we like that? We need to be delivered, okay? We like that. Stop talking about your whole life, okay? It ain't good. That's why God delivered you from it. <laughs> Last point. God brought us to himself. Hmm. That's good. In Colossians chapter 1, you see uh, this, what we believe is the greatest doxology. And Paul talks about who Jesus is. We're not going to unravel that because it's a lot to unpack. But kind of the moral of the story is that through Jesus Christ, God, God created all things by himself, for himself, redeemed, himself uh, redeemed all things through himself, and brought them to himself. By, for, through, to. That's a beautiful message. Because we were created by him. We messed up everything. He redeemed us for himself, through himself. And that gives us our hope. Salvation. So here we are. God speaks to Moses. He says, not only have I brought you up like eagles, but I've brought you to myself. There's so much significance in this because this is 635 plus years after God initially promised Abraham that there was going to be a great nation birthed out of him. And this is the nation that God's talking about. And the word brought in, in Hebrew, the Hebrew is bo, which means to come into or to advance. So not only were we brought to God to be with him, but we actually get to come into a relationship with him. We get to come into the presence of God. We get to come into the covenant of God. Now we are not only, we used to be strangers, now we're family. I mean, I'm excited because we're family. We went from an orphan to a family. Orphan to a family. I don't know about y'all, but when I was lost, I was an orphan and it wasn't good. I'm trying to say it in a way that you make you excited about being saved. But God took us from being being cast away, hell bound. We couldn't please him if we tried. And he brought us into a relationship with him, a part of his covenant. And now we are bearers of the inheritance. We are a part of that. He brought us into his presence and his promise. When God was on this mountain speaking to Moses, he was setting the tone for the laws that were to come. But he was also sealing the deal. He was telling Moses that you are now, you and your people, you see what I did. You saw what, what, what happened for you. You see where I'm taking you. You experienced those moments. You came in and out of great moments, miraculous moments. But you got to see some of my glory. Now I want all of you and you all of me. I want a relationship with you. And I close with this. If you're here today and you've either been like me and pray, played church or if you have no concept of anything church related or anything related to the Bible or God, but you found yourself in here today, maybe someone drug you in here, maybe someone, maybe you lost a bet, 
Maybe someone's been begging you for a long time. Maybe you're here because you want to make your friend feel good because they've been asking you so many times you're just doing them a favor. I don't know why you're here, but I believe that you're here because God is so faithful that he thought about you and he brought you in this place in the auditorium of a high school where we do church here to say, I'm still with you. I'm still faithful and I'm not going anywhere.